Second Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10. How many of us have been enjoying this series? It's been really, really awesome. I don't know about you, but I think it's been really, really awesome. I feel that I am the most blessed of this series, you know, because I am learning and also getting blessed, you know, um, by this series. And if you are very keen in the spirit, you realize that there's been some sort of a, you know, concurrence between um, the, the workshop, you know, especially the last two and what we've been dealing about, what we've been talking about on Sunday. It seems to be like a subset, but it's a key. And I've been hammering it that every one of us should listen to especially the last, the, the last two workshop messages listening prayer, hearing God in a loud world, it is absolutely crucial. It is up everyone. This is a commandment. This is an instruction. Everybody must listen to that, that message. It will radically change your prayer life. Hallelujah. It will do what? It will radically. And when you now mix it with, you know, this series, it's a, it's a, a double barrel is an understatement. It will radic- and that is what church is about. It is where God uses his word to change us. And we have no choice but to be committed to that process and that structure that brings change. Just coming and listening and doing nothing about it will not bring change. Hallelujah. Would you not? Amen. It is when we put that which is being said, that which is being proclaimed, and we apply it in our lives to a consistent, deliberate commitment to the word. That is what that's when change happens. And God must help us to have that discipline of commitment to the word. We must marry it. Amen. What else? Give me Proverbs chapter 4 very quickly. Let's start from there. I just felt like. To pass across some instructions of righteousness this morning. He said, my son, give, my, my, hear my children the instruction of a father. Give attention to no understanding. He said, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my love. story. He said, for when I was my father's son, tender and only, the only one in the sight of my mother. Verse 4. He said, he also taught me and said, let your word, sir. Say with me, let your word. Let you do what? Retain my words. This is, the, this is the real work. The heart must retain the words of God. The fact that you just hear it once, you know, is not enough for the heart to retain it. It's not enough. There must be a deliberate system of committing your heart, of planting of immersion of meditation is like deliberately putting the seed in the ground am i making sense you know if you have a very hard ground and you want to plant something you don't you don't just throw the seed on it amen you don't just throw the seed on it what do you do you break up the, the hard ground you water it so that the water can percolate, so that you can break it up, and then you make heaps out of it. That's the purpose of making heaps. Amen. How many of us did farming when we were younger? How many of us have ever been to, the, to a farm before? All these Gen Z, they don't know, they don't even know what a farm is. I had a farm, personal farm, when I was growing up. 
when people see my hands soft, they say, ah, this hand has never farmed. It's a lie. These hands, these hands are farmed probably more than most people. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it takes deliberateness. You, you don't just throw seeds around and expect fruit. Am I making sense? It takes deliberateness. That's the way it takes in the spirit. You must be deliberate. You must be doing. One of the key things, and I'm trusting God today that God will expose that. One of the key things is that we have a frame that is opposing deliberateness to the world. Our human frame naturally opposes this deliberateness. Why? Because our value system is lopsided. We value the wrong things. We treasure the wrong things. So the things that we naturally gravitate towards, the things that we sacrifice for, the things that we go the extra mile for, they are sometimes, most times, the wrong things. Some of them are good, some of them are legitimate, but they are not the ultimate things. Am I making sense? So he said, let your heart retain. You must, you must keep the word in the ground of your heart. That is where, the, that is where its power is unleashed. I've given an analogy before. You know, when you're growing up, you, we did so many funny things. Some of us, you know, we, you know when you went after, especially when you've watched all those Yoruba movies and some of those Christian movies where you see Satan, you know, dressed in black and all that. Some of us, ah, Nollywood doesn't do all those films again. When we're growing up, if you watch Aya Camera, there's, there's a series called Aya Camera. Oh my God, Aya Toto, you will fear Satan. <laughs> Amen. You know, where a witch will just fly like a bat and enter, you know, all sort of things. And those times, you, it was, people were constantly terrorized. I remember growing up, there was one man who told us, you, you know, you open your Bibles to Psalm 23 and put it under your pillow. And then you think that gives you protection. Hallelujah. The Psalm 23 under your pillow, it can't do anything. It's just a book. That's why some of you have torn Bibles. Those people, I mean, I don't mean now. Amen. That's why you see some people's Bibles torn. It is not serious reading and meditation that torn it. It's because they put it in the wrong place. It's supposed to be in your heart. Hallelujah. It's supposed to be where? In your heart. So we've been given all kinds of wrong ideas. All kinds of wrong ideas. Hallelujah. Our understanding of what spiritual warfare means is completely, completely lopsided. But I'm trusting God, you know, and as we give attention to the word, God will correct all these things. Amen. 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 So he said, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and do what? And do what? The life of the spirit. I'm referring back to listening prayer again. The life of the spirit, which is the reward of prayer. The life in the spirit, which is the reward of which is the reward of communion with God, which is the reward of working with God, only comes by keeping the commandments. Only comes by keeping the commandments. So, if you want a harvest of Zoe eternal life, what should you do? Follow the commandments. Follow the commandment trail. It will lead you to a harvest of life. Am I clear enough this morning? Is, is it very clear? Follow the word. Follow the commandment trail. It will lead you to what? The harvest of life. Walk in obedience. And from the simple things of commitment. 
of putting the kingdom first. These are the things that lead to a harvest. If you don't give attention to it, there is no harvest. There is no joy. There is no peace. There is no growth. Hallelujah. Amen. I think I've, I've, I've shared that. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, our key text this morning. Last week, we started talking about facing the giants, and we said that, you know, uh, we read Deuteronomy chapter 1, 6 to 8, and then we read 20 to 33, which gives an account of, you know, when Moses was recounting the experiences and what the children of Israel went through, you know, regarding the promise of God for them to enter the promised land and how they failed God, how they failed to enter the promise that God had prepared for them even before they were born. Hallelujah. And we said that the key issue, the key issue that they had was that they were fixated on the challenges and the giants in the land and they could not trust God despite all the great actions, despite all the great move of God that they've experienced. Right from when God led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and through, you know, all the 40 years of miraculous in the wilderness they were fixated, their heart posture, their heart frame was fixated on the negative. And we said that they, they saw, scripture says that in their own eyes they were what? Grasshoppers. And even in the eyes of the giants they were grasshoppers. And we said that that is an issue of perception because there was no way they entered into the eyes into the brain of the, of the giants to see that they actually saw them as grasshoppers. So they concluded it was a perception, it was an inclination of their own mind, which they accepted as truth, and nothing was going to shift them from those preconceived positions. And because of that, no matter what God said, no matter what God did, they completely disagreed with God and rebelled against God. Hallelujah. Amen. And we began to share last week that the key, what, what constitute giants, you know, in our lives as strongholds. Someone say strongholds. Those are the giants. The giants are not external. They are internal. They are not external oppositions. They are what? You see, no external opposition is such, so serious. None. If there is any form of external opposition, they're probably the least opposition. Go and take a stock of your life properly. Most external oppositions, the real issue is the internal reaction or the in preconceived ideas and inclinations that those things are affecting. I don't know if I'm making sense. If you don't respond to a particular stimulus, you know what response to stimulus means, right? It's the of living thing. Amen. If you don't respond to a particular stimulus, no matter what somebody does, you know, to activate that with you, is, is it going to work? Is it going to work? No. If, for example, you don't feel pain, and somebody say, if I will slap you. Yeah, I will slap you. It doesn't... Or I will punch you. Amen. Meanwhile, you have, a, you have probably a breastplate of steel and the person wants to punch you with their bare hands are you going to feel worried are you going to consider that a threat 
Imagine Rina say, don't try me. You know. I say, don't try me. I'm pointing to you, David. I say, don't try me. I will kick you now. Have you seen children do that a lot? They say, I'll kick you now. And they are serious. And you are just smiling. You just rub their face. But you don't know what you are saying. That is the nature of most external oppositions. The real giants, the real issues are the ones that are inside. It is sometimes even difficult to discern them. To point exactly to an issue and say, this is the problem. Because they are so hidden. Amen. They are so elusive. They are covered in layers of deceits. Covered in layers of, you know, when you say somebody has a blind side, it means that you are looking at it like this, yet you cannot see it. Because there is a covering. There is an image that is cast, that is hiding the true nature of that issue. Hallelujah. Amen. Second Corinthians 10. Verse 3. It said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not what? We do not war according to... It means our warfare is not by the arm of flesh. We don't rely on the arm of flesh. Am I making sense? And that doesn't necessarily mean physical things like guns. It also means we don't rely on our intellect. We don't rely on our physical attributes or intellectual prowess, or, you know, skill, or physical, or natural advantage. That is not the, that is not the weapon of our warfare. That is not our, that is not where we, our warfare is not intellectual. It is not by debates. Amen. He said, we do not war according to the flesh, verse 4. He said, for the weapons, not somebody say weapons, Say it's an arsenal. It is an arsenal. It's not just one weapon. The weapons of our warfare are not what? Canal. But mighty in God for what? What is the what is what is the what are the weapons for? Talk, let's talk now. Why 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 are you looking beaten this morning? They are for what? They are for pulling down strong. I can't stress this enough. It means that God has given you the arsenal to radically pull down any strong, anything that constitutes strong opposition in your life. You are up to it. You are up to the task to pull them down. You can radically change your trajectory in life. You can ra- it doesn't matter what the works of Satan is or has been. You can change it. You can demolish it. You can destroy it. And you can build a new world out of the rubbles of the old. Hallelujah. Scripture says that for this cause the son of man is what? Made manifest that in my word destroy. You can destroy the works of Satan. You have the capacity in you. It doesn't matter for how long it has been. It doesn't matter how vivid it is. It doesn't matter how real it is to you. It doesn't matter if it is literally choking life out of you. You can destroy them. For this cause, the Son of God was manifested. That in my word, destroy, dismember. You know, to dem- the, the word destroy means to, de- to demolish, to bomb. It, it, it means to demolish something to an extent that you can't put it back together again. You know when you bump something? You know you can't, you can't be gathering it and then gluing it back. It's gone. 
diffused completely. That is the power that is at work in you and I. That is the weapon of our warfare. You see, but you know the problem with a lot of us Christians, those weapons are just the line follow, unexercised. Hallelujah. How many of us have watched epic movies where there is this, this, this shining sword that has some history behind it? You know, it said this sword was forged in the flames of El Gabor. You know, and then they, they use off sort of, <laughs> you know, I said, whoever wears this sword will defeat the ultimate evil and all that. And then you see this young prince who is just running around chasing lizards. And then he tries to carry the sword and there is no power here. There is no strength yet. Why? Because he has not been exercised. His physical attributes, his strength has not yet developed. That's the way most Christians are. There is this huge sword, sword of the spirit. Powerful, forged by the blood. Forged by the word. The eternal word of God. The eternal counsel of God. Which cannot fail. But the guy who is to exercise it still has strongholds. Perceptions, mindsets, limiting their understanding and their identity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us to move very fast this morning. I said last week that stronghold means otroma, you know, and I said it means anything firmly formed within, within us in which we place confidence and identity often as a result of the lies and deceit of the enemy. Strongholds are results of the weaving of the enemy. You know when you weave something? Strongholds are the results of the craft, the devising of the enemy. And sometimes he does that over quite a period of time. Strongholds don't form suddenly. They don't just appear suddenly they are not a quick walk say strong strong goods say strong goods are not a quick walk no they are and because of that the devil is very deliberate about it very deliberate about it satan's walking is such that strong goods reach very deep into the core of our being it's like you want to it's like wanting to build a skyscraper. What do you first do? You dig where? You dig so much deep. If you are going to build a hundred story skyscraper, how deep is your foundation is going to be? Very, very deep, right? You you know, you you you, you can't build a ten story building and then put a foundation of a one story. What's gonna happen? That is not even a stronghold at all. Just knock one pillar out of that building and everything collapse. Why? Because the foundation is not what? It's not deep enough. It's not strong enough. So that is what Satan does. Satan drills deep to our foundation. He brings patterns. He brings inclinations. Ten generations back. He weaves it through our genetic frame. He goes deep, deep down brings culture, the way of life, the manner of thinking. That's why you can look at a certain kind of people who live in a geographical place and say, this is how this kind of people think. That is how they have been thinking since 500 years ago. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? The devil drills real deep when it's the issue of stronghold. 
drips digs real deep why because what he wants to build on it he wants it to last so every day it's a bombardment the nature of your human frame that sinful nature is actually the bedrock and then that begins to daily add nurture to it the nurture of sin the nurture of disobedience the way of life upbringing all manner of things puts there so that when you be, if, if you read if you read romans chapter 7 unfortunately we wouldn't have time to go into it today you will see paul saying that there was an innocence in his life when he was born amen can you give me that scripture and then the point he said he said when sin revived i did what i died that is when eyes opened that is when understanding carnal understanding is now full what has been deposited over time is now influencing and bringing forth fruit and a way of life hallelujah there has been a mixture between you know your talent your skill your genetics everything now is working together to bring about a specific lifestyle that's why you can put two people in the same environment and they're going to turn out completely different it's a mixture of the workings of satan am i making sense amen some people the basis of their pride is their face how they look hallelujah that's the base it's not because they are intellectual it's because of what they are once you are especially in, in this our culture once you are beautiful and you are yellow like sister choma and sister vivian Sister Isi, ah there is a pride that comes just you didn't do anything about it am i making sense you were just born like that somebody and somebody did a somebody recently did a study i saw it on twitter and she did a study on the how because you are yellow yellow women sort of get more opportunities than their black ones than black ones what a word it doesn't they have not even opened their mouth at all as i see almost yellow people they are in banks <laughs> amen just a natural attribute satan has weaved culture around it and that's why today if you go to most supermarkets just go to the women's section most of the creams are lightning creams why there is a race for everybody to become yellow the yellower you are the more opportunities you get strongholds but you will never see anybody who sits down at any point preaching yellowness have you ever seen that it is something that satan weaved into the society one person at a time and it becomes a basis of thinking and then men begin to behave the same way hallelujah strongholds and they are so difficult to dislodge so difficult to dislodge i mean why is everybody now running to become light-skinned if it's not that it is so it has become so prevalent am i making sense hallelujah a stronghold is a mindset it's a mindset and that thing has strong influence over us hallelujah uh, we've read second samuel chapter 5 the story of how david wanted to take over the strongholds of zion and it was a very difficult task for him and he had to promise that anyone that takes that stronghold would become captain 
of his army and Joab went forth and did what? And did. Why? Because strongholds are built as defensive structures. They protect interest and they protect integrity of a people or of a land or of a kingdom. So if Satan has any foothold in your life in whatsoever way, he wants to build a fortress around it to protect that thing. That's what strongholds have for. Protect interest. Protect territory. So that there will be no infiltration. Am I making sense? Satan does and he has so knowledge. He has so knowledge. Lifestyle, culture, traditions, perceptions in our hearts. And those things have been woven in the frame of our soul to protect Satan's interest. That's why some people, no matter, they can speak in tongues from today to tomorrow. Certain interests and certain depots of Satan are still intact in their life. Why? Because they have not gone through the process that allows God to shift those things out of their frame. And that's why you see the religious church can never bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. They will do all the religious things, but nothing is ever going to change in their lives. Why? Because nothing is attacking those strongholds of Satan. Have you met Dickens who are very vindictive? Some people, you don't even know they are Christians by the way they behave when they are outside of church. The only time there is a resemblance of a Christian identity is when they carry Bibles on Sunday morning. There is nothing in their life that shows or gives any inclination that Christ is living in this house. Why? But they can, they can quote scripture for you. They can even preach. And they can pray very well. Hallelujah. If you tell them, come and do vigil now, they can pray seven hours, binding and casting. But the strongholds of Satan are intact. Satan is at peace. Unperturbed, unchallenged. Because his interest, he has woven deceit and lies around those things. And nothing is challenging them. Whenever they, Have you seen people say, I don't like how they preach in this church. Their world is too hard. I'm going to another church. That is Satan protecting his interest. You don't want to touch those things that are sensitive. Say, no, 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 no. That pastor who's on this too much. Please, please, please. Let's, let's, yeah. Am I the one that killed Jesus? Church is about saying, saying a prayer and I say amen. Oh, it's not sweet in English. Shadrach, Shamini, church. Hey, that one is. <laughs> I'm sorry if you don't understand your revival. Amen. Say, no, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't like those arrogant pastors. Preaching every day, making somebody feel bad. Why should I come to church and be feeling bad? That is stronghold speaking. That is stronghold speaking. If he continues in that environment, the battering ram of the world is going to smash those things. Going to confront those things, but they don't want confrontation. So they deflect. Have you met people? Issue happen between them. They are the ones at first. All they start crying. Have you met people like that? They are the ones that did the wrong thing. But suddenly they start crying. I don't understand why everybody hates me. Everybody hates me. And they began to tell stories of how people... Why? Just to deflect from what? Is this... I'm not talking about cry that is brokenness. Am I making... Sometimes when God reveals the truth to you, you are broken, right? You truly feel sorry for what you've done. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who use cry to, to manipulate... Say, ah, you did this bad thing. I say, ah, I know you don't love me. So you will not begin to beg. You for, completely forget the issue. Hallelujah. 
Something tells me ladies do that a lot. I'm not judging, you know. <laughs> Amen. The, the, the men's own is anger. You mean to tell me I don't love you? That's why you are saying that I don't love you, right? I, that is because you don't trust me. You don't. What, what is he trying to do? He's trying to cover issue. He's trying to deflect it. Doesn't want to own up. There is ego there. And that ego cannot face scrutiny. Cannot be confronted. Some people, are, some, some, some women, they can't even confront their husband. In love, the guy will suddenly turn into a Yamatanga. Hallelujah. Investments of Satan that are left unchecked and unchallenged. Those things are not making us to conform to the image of God. And they are not making us to harvest the fullness of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Because for harvest to come, those things have to be what? Removed. The purpose of the wilderness is to purge everything that is of Egypt, including the taste buds for Egypt. Hallelujah. Strongholds. I said strongholds always result in strongly held belief system. I've said that already. Traditional, psychological, physical, all manner. Strongly held belief system. Strongly held belief system. The reason why we look at somebody who dresses somehow and before they even open our mouth, their mouth, we have judged them is because of what? Belief system. Somebody will see a woman now. They will say, ah, this man is a traditional man. Immediately they begin to project just because Wumi, you know, all of us know Wumi's fashion. He loves wearing caps, right? The Yoruba cap. People just begin to project ideas to the guy. They've not met him. He has not even put his mouth to talk. Or just be, thank you. Or just because he's quiet. And he's, ah, you know, his heart will be, you just begin to project. And those projections has nothing to do with Wumi. They are the what? They are the preconceived ideas that we have carried. It's how we differentiate and how we discriminate people. That's where racism comes from. Just because you are black, you have two eyes, he has two eyes. One nose, one nose. Just because you are fair, he is black. People that call themselves white say they are not even white. Are, are they white? They look like maybe light yellow or something. But they call themselves white. And because of that, you've judged them. You've judged them. Hallelujah. Amen. If somebody is dressed in suit, fine, like, like this is my brother now. Fine suit. No, look. Somebody, in fact, they will even use that. He said he looks responsible. The, the one wearing t shirt. You, you already Am I making sense? You, you already project irresponsibility. Simply because of the way somebody dresses. Strongly held beliefs, belief system. And those things are there in us. That even when God speaks, we don't want to listen. That's when God told Sarah. He said, by this time next year, you will have a child. The Bible says, Sarah went behind the door and began to laugh. This angel, he don't. Why did he whine me? Preconceived belief system. The biological clock was real. 
than the promise of God. He said, will a woman such as I, will this, he says, the Bible says, he said, will this breast still nurse? She was looking at it and the thing was dead. But the Bible said that Abraham did not do what? He said, did not reckon. He did not consider, that's the word, his body dead, not the deadness of Sarah's womb. Something had happened to him. Strongholds have been removed. A new understanding and civilization was in operation. That needed to happen for the promise to be delivered. Hallelujah. Strongholds. Strongholds. When God spoke to Jeremiah, he said, I have anointed you. I have given you a grace. He said to pull down and to destroy, to uproot. He said, and to plant and to build. What did Jeremiah answer? He said, oh Lord God, I'm but the what? I'm but the child. And God will say, don't ever say that again. Don't say you are a child. For before you were formed in your word, mother's womb, I have what? I have anointed you, I have called you to be a prophet unto Israel. Hallelujah. He says, see, I have set you. See, before I formed you in the womb, I did what? I knew you. Before you were born, I did what? Look at how far the work of God has gone to. Look at how far God has done. Before I formed you, I, don't, I did what? The word new is what, you know, it means I know I've, I've, I've measured your life. I know everything, including the two cases of it. I have measured you to a standard. So before you were born, I did what? I sanctified. Before he formed his first thought, God has gone ahead to finish work. But now God was delivering him to him. He said, I have ordained you a prophecy. He said, Lord, I'm but a child now. Jeremiah wasn't looking at the eternal. He was looking at the what? The temporal. He was looking at the present. The Bible said that for the things, said for the things that are seen are what? Are temporal. And the things that are not seen are what? Are eternal. So strong goals are things that fixes our gaze on the temporal. And what we describe and ascribe reality to are the temporal things. Your temporary situation. Your temporary circumstance what is happening in this season of your life what is happening in your upbringing the family you came from all those things constitutes what temporal and strongholds fixes helps us to fixate on the temporal is somebody getting blessed this morning i, I want to be sure i'm reaching I i'm really saying it the way it ought to be said amen hallelujah because this is this this is what applies to every single one of us Strongholds makes you fixated on the temporal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said strongholds bring an imposing, an imposing picture of fear, worry, intimidation, limitation, and unbelief that influences behavior. When you see, I should read it again. I said a stronghold brings the word an imposing picture of fear worry intimidation limitation unbelief that influences what behavior any fear any worry any set of intimidation any kind of limitation 
or unbelief that influences behavior or influences action is caused by a stronghold. Fear. Some people will never live their best life despite all the potential that they have. Why? Fear. Some, some people, God has told them 10,000 times to make a move. They are still not making that move. To, they have not made that move to today. Why? There is an imposing picture of fear. Fear of failure. Fear of ridicule. What, what will happen if he fails? God is saying, throw the bread in your hands over the waters. Say, ah, what will, what will I now have? It's like some people are holding so tightly to their seed. Plant it. God said, no, I cannot plant it too. Okay, but you cannot eat it. Hey, at least it's in my hands. Fear. We don't want to let go. And I'm not talking about bringing offering. Amen. Don't let your mind go there. That's another stronghold. Once you hear seed like this, your mind just... Even unfortunately, it's the church that caused this stronghold. Amen. Strongholds. Strongholds. Not being able to rely on God and step out in faith. Fear crippled. There are so many people, you see them, potentials everywhere. Potential yakpa. But they are not doing anything. Why? Fear has crippled them. Get on the stage and do this thing. Oh, let me give you an, an example. It looks very trivial, but it taught me a very good lesson. How many of us were at the hangout we had with the main with Lekki Church last year? How many of us were there? Was it last year or this year? It was last year? How many of us were there? So few of you saw that. Few of you saw me running commentary during the matches. <laughs> How was the commentary? Do you know, I knew I could do that for many years. But fear would not let me take the first. In fact, the previous year, because that was the second edition we had, the previous year, I wanted to do that thing. But fear would not let me. I was like, what if I pick it and I fail? Fear will not even let me say, okay, let me even practice this day. I think I have this thing. That day I just told myself, you know what? Who else? Among, where, where, where is the best place to fail self? If it's not among brethren. That was how I told myself. Where is the best place to even fail? If it's not among brethren. Let me, at least today I will know whether I can do this thing or I cannot. So I grabbed the mic and it was just flowing. And it was just flowing. Even me, I was surprising myself. Some people, fear has crippled them. Some other, is, their own is not fear, their own is worry. They can worry. They have emeritus professor of worrying. And by the time they are done, every energy, every positive energy in their system has been drained by worry. They have not even lifted up the sword. They are already defeated by worry. Hallelujah. Bible said, do not take thought. What is it? He said, do not what? Do not. He said, none of you by worrying can do what? Can add a cubit to your life. But people will sit down with speed of worry and have fellowship for hours and they'll be drinking. Why is somebody just sit down and just worry. Have you seen people wake up in the middle of the night, sit down, and then they are just thinking and they are just crying. Worry! 
an imposing limiting figure and picture in their lives there is even when things are about to get better the more it's going is trying to get better the higher the worry and we are framed like that imagine i might even watch football here when is the voice of the commentator loudest when you're about to work but what when is when are you so much at when are you at the edge the most it's at that time you are about to score a victory but that is when your high your mind goes high we are framed like that sometimes you are at the verge of your breakthrough but worry you are literally how do they say you are literally snapping snatching defeat from the jaws of victory worry worry some of you you have signed contracts you have signed contract ah worry still will not let you rest ah, what if they change their mind what see there is no perfect situation that worry cannot infiltrate some of you if you, if you get to everyone and look at jesus now you will still worry that maybe he will chase me away worry and fear those are twin brothers they work hand in hand strongholds they can strike down a man of valor great potential great capacity great intellect great depth but they can't move why because worry and fear have shackled they have chained their legs strongholds that we have to pull hallelujah God must help us get to a place where nothing scares us. No challenge. If God says jump, you say, Lord, how high? God wants us to be determined people. People of conviction that nothing will ever, you know, nothing will ever, nothing is dazing you, nothing is facing you, nothing is you know, intimidating you, nothing. You are like David saying, who is this guy? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I'm taking his head down. That's someone who has conquered fear and worry. Let God do the work of conquering the strongholds of fear and worry in your life. By the word. Am I making sense this morning? Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. I, I don't think we want to read it, but because of time. You know, I, I wrote that for strongholds results in strongly held belief system. So for... The one I said, stronghold, results in imposing picture of fear, worry, intimidation, limitation, and unbelief that influences behavior. Hebrews 3, 10 to 15. Matthew 6, 33 to 34. Romans 8, 15. Hebrews 3, 10 to 15. Matthew 6, 33 to 34. Romans 8, 15. Let's, let's read Matthew 6. Let's read Matthew 6. Or should we read Hebrews 3? Which one should we read? Let's read Matthew 6. 33. Say, but seek first the kingdom of God and his word, righteousness, and all these things shall be what? Added to you. Verse 34. He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Who will worry about tomorrow? Tomorrow. Tomorrow has capacity to worry about itself. Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Your own preoccupation is to seek first the kingdom. Leave worry for those who worry. Leave worry for tomorrow. Hallelujah. 
are you, am I making sense? Leave worry for what? Let God do his own perfect work. I, I remember when I was, when I was taking admission to um, college, I, I wanted to go to Ife so much, OAU, so much as, well, because I had an understanding that that was where God, I remember in that year, I think it was March 2021, I was, I was already in UNAD though, I was already a year two student in UNAD, but I didn't like UNAD, apologies to UNAD, I'd say, in 2011, yeah, no, 2001, 2001, sorry, March, I remember God spoke to me and said, damn me, I'm sending you to Ife, that is where my purpose, the next level, my, the next phase of my purpose is for you. This time, I didn't have admission. I had nothing. You know? And from that day, I used to tell people that, from that day, I stopped being serious with my studies in UNAD. I just stopped, I would stop attending lectures. I, I just held on to God's word so strongly. And I just believed it. You know? And then, we started trying to get into Ife and all those things and all that. And then I wanted medicine and then my cutoff wasn't up to medicine. And then they're saying no. And then I, I, I didn't even know about, about this, what, the lecturer that was, you know, helping us say that, uh, would they give me, I told my dad whether he should put me in physiotherapy. My dad said no, it's either medicine or nothing. And as far as my dad was concerned, I sh- if I can't get medicine, I should just stay in UNAD. Meanwhile, me. He doesn't know that me, I've jeopardized UNAD already. I've burnt UNAD ship for the purpose of higher calling. So I wanted, I mean, you know, if at all cost. I just knew that that was where purpose was waiting for me and all that. You know, and I went to Ife a couple of times, but I didn't get any concrete, um, any concrete agreement or, you know, verdict that I was going to make the list and all that. So by the time it was July, August, early August, I'd given up that maybe you know then on august 30th was a friday i think august 30th this 30th or 31st was a friday my dad woke up and he was meant to travel that morning and his driver came and they were away you know they left the house and then at 12 i can't forget everything was i still remember everything today at 12 we got a call from Ife. Someone who was a student of, who was already a student of Ife, she was just walking to a department that morning. She was, a, she was a medical student. And she got in front of White House. There's a place called White House in Ife. Those of you know Ife. And she felt God just spoke to her that, go and check the admissions office in White House and check whether Dami's name even came out. This lady, we did not even talk about, I think we only talked about issue of admission only once. And I didn't say she should help me or help me check or anything. She was just going to class. So she got there to the admissions office, White House, and said, I want to check whether, um, for, whether somebody made the list, mentioned the name. She said, which department? She didn't know. She now said, she doesn't know specifically that me. Ah. Do you want, you know all those women are. So what are we, where are we going to start from? You mean, uh, there are 30 or 14 departments in faculty of science. You know, you say, I'm sorry, man, please. Give me the whole admission list. I will sit down in one corner and I'll start checking it. And then they sat down in one corner and they just gave it to her. And then she started going from one department to the other. And the last department she picked, she saw my name. And she saw that in front of my name, 
had not come to submit my documents and accept the admission. And that year was the year when OAU was combining two sets together. So from my set, they were going to pick 60%. And then from the next, because two jump sets together, because of, you know, ASU strike and all those things. So there were two jump results waiting for admission. So the way they could bridge the gap was take a percentage from this set, take a percentage from the next set, combine it. And so anyone who doesn't confirm their admission, you know, in the set of 60%, that one moves to, becomes the advantage of the next you know, said another. So she just saw that my name was, you know, wasn't checked and all that. So she ran to, then there was even no, GSM wasn't popular then, so it was still Nitel line. So I got a call from 12. My name is on the list, so today is the final day. 4 p.m. that day was the deadline for start coming to you and come and, you know, um, submit your papers and confirm your admission and all that. My father has traveled. He was the only one that could have taken me. There is no telephone to reach him. Another. And then about 30 minutes later, my father just drove back in. Ah, what happened? He said, the person they were supposed to go did not show up. So the person they were supposed to meet somewhere. You know, interestingly, the person showed up. So the person got there early. They dropped the person. And the person that dropped him drove off with his car. And he now entered into, like, it was a compound, like a public. So he entered inside and sat down. My father got there, expecting to see his car. He didn't see his car. So my father waited outside. After I waited for, like, 30 minutes, and he didn't see anybody, he just turned back and started coming home. You know? And so when he got home and we told him everything, he was like, wow, you still made it. Oh, well, let's start going to. So we entered this car and they drove. If it then was like two hours, you know, from Ekiti and all that. So by 3.30 or so was when we got to Ife and were able to do everything. And after I finished and the admission was confirmed and I've submitted all my documents and my name was now checked, I just remember God's word. In March that year, that son... I'm sending you to Ife is the next phase of worry can never achieve that kind of miracle. Am I making sense? I'd even stopped praying about it. I'd, I'd forgotten it. Was, the only thing was that I held on to that word so strongly. And God, every time I say that miracle, every time I talk, people don't usually believe this story when I say to them because like, it was... Well, it doesn't make sense, but that is how God works. And when you learn to trust God in faith, every stronghold of fear and worry in your life will be dislodged completely. Faith has the power to do what? To strike at the heart of any issue of fear. Faith in God. That's why scripture says, have the God kind of faith. Matthew 11. He said, For if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and do not doubt in your heart, what will, what will happen? He said, You will have whatever you say. You will have whatever you say once it is said in faith. Once there is conviction in your heart. There is no situation. There is no circumstance. 
there is no work of Satan that God can undo. For this purpose, the Son of God is manifest. That they will do what? Destroy. He said, for assuredly I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we getting blessed? Are we getting blessed? So if you see an imposing and a reoccurring picture of fear in your life, that's a stronghold. Or worry, that's a stronghold. Or in some of people, intimidation, low self-esteem. Low self-esteem. People have low self-esteem. They can be walking in, in, on these streets and in their mind, somebody two streets away is looking at them and looking at them somehow. And they are very convinced about it. Have you, some, it's sometimes it's probably even happened to you. You walk into a room and you feel all, all eyes are on you. Are all eyes literally on you? Most times, no. But those things become so real. Some of you become so uncomfortable. Intimidation. What is intimidating you is the knowledge from inside you. It's an opinion of yourself that you have. Intimidation is an imposing picture. It, you know, it, it paralyzes. An imposing picture. So you can't be yourself again. Some of you, the, the, the intimidator is acceptance from men. Some of you, we don't even know your true self. Have you met people say, ah, we thought you were a quiet person. No, it's is because of outward conformity. When they get into a zone where they have nothing to prove, you see the true nature come out. Intimidation. They are constantly intimidated. They can stay in a place and be completely quiet. They can't say anything. Everybody will think they are quiet. They are not. But the issue of the approval of men has caged them. Am I making sense this morning? God has to help us to dislodge these issues. Amen. How oh, we run out of time. Oh my God. Oh my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said this stronghold results in a pattern of behavior formed through culture, unbringing, negative experience, or training. Hallelujah. Stronghold formed by what? Upbringing, culture, and sometimes negative word experience. Some of you, pain, exposure to prolonged pain has formed a negative mindset. It's become a stronghold. That's why you see people who have faced abuse over a period of time. Sometimes their mind is so conditioned that when you see somebody who is honest and genuine and pure, they become insecure around that person. Have you met women who say, you can never find a good man. Uh, if a man is good, I saw one stupid video recently. He said, if your husband, if you have a man who is not cheating on his wife, they have used jazz on him. The lady was, so, the lady is saying, saying this, you know, so confident. 
He said, if you know your friend who is not cheating as a man, he said, his wife has used Jason, they should take him for deliver. Where is that coming from? Strongholds. Stronghold. Some lady will say, he says, it's, you better take the one that they give you. There is no man. Have you heard that before? Say, all men are not complete. Say, you better take the one that's. Some people don't have faith that they will meet a great man. When you probe deep, deep, deep inside, you will see that there is no conviction in God that God will give them a great man. So they always say, ah, this one, uh, uh, Pastor, let me pray. Uh, uh, I like it. But he's beating you. Hey, uh, God will change him. What is going on? There's an inherent low self-esteem. There is no faith that God will set to you. So you are settling for a devourer instead. Culture. Strongholds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you met people that you are trying to beg them to decouple from a partner and they are crying and yet they will say no they will not hallelujah say no they, somebody say Atimudeti. we have big dates what is the stronghold men's approval the temporary approval of men which lasts only for one day is important to them than a lifetime of pain and what Strongholds. Say at date, sir. You cannot unmute the date. Strongholds. We value the wrong things. We esteem the wrong things. Even to the detriment of our life and destiny. Hallelujah. When Potiphar's wife held Joseph, what did he say? He said, How can I commit this wickedness against God? Some churches we say is the shortcut today. Some Christians we say is wisdom. Let's use wisdom. See, let me tell you how serious, let me tell you how serious the issue of Joseph was. What was going on in his mind? Sometimes, even if you don't want to do it, the fear of reprisal will make you cooperate. Do you know why? Because Joseph was a slave. All Potiphar's first wife needed to do is to lie against Joseph that he did something. Nobody believes the word of a slave that time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If Potiphar's wife told her husband that Joseph slapped him or Joseph wanted to kill him, whatever Potiphar's wife said is the law. And Potiphar, by right, has the right to kill Joseph because he's a slave. So, what Joseph was battling with was not just the weakness of sexual seduction. Am I making sense? It's the reality of the punch. He had to also overcome the fear of the punishment. That if I don't agree with this woman, I can die. And if he had fear of death in him, he would agree. Even though he doesn't want to commit sin, he would still agree by virtue of what? Fear of death. You need to understand the gravity of what happened there. That shows a man who God has dislodged strongholds. Meanwhile, when he was yet a dreamer, he was a man beholden to men's approval. That was the reason for sharing his dreams in, all, in, in the first place. He wanted approval. Am I making sense? But the years 
in Potiphar's house, God has tinkered with his thinking pattern. Some things that are important, that are not important, have been done away with. And a new value system has come into place. That's why I could make a decision in righteousness. When the strongholds begin to get knocked off, you are empowered to act in righteousness. You're empowered. There is strength in your loins. To do what? To stand for righteousness. And that's why God wants to dislodge all the strongholds. Because what will what eventually make you unbreachable is that Satan has no hold on you. A city that cannot be breached. Is that what? Satan does what? Has no hold on you. Psalm 47, he said there is a river the flame of which makes glad the what? The city of God. He said God is what, sir? In the midst of her. He said she shall not be moved. Nothing can move her. Why? There is no territory of Satan within. There's no territory of Satan within. Hallelujah. 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 Please write down Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 to 11. Can, you, can we read that? Can we just quickly read that? Colossians 3, 9 to 11. I will, I will have to stop. I, this message, we enter part 3. <laughs> Amen. He said, lie not to one another, seeing that you have what? Put off the word, sir. With what? His deeds, his devices. His actions. Verse 11. And I, Pastor, and I've put on the new man, which is what? Renewed in what? In knowledge. After the image of him that what? That created him. Not the word. Renewed in what? In knowledge. The new man has a different knowledge than the old man. That's what makes him new. His own knowledge, his own framing comes from God. That is why he has meekness where the old man has arrogance. Am I making sense? He will not strike back by reason of that new knowledge where the old man will fight you to the death. Am I making sense? What has happened is there has been a renovation and a new governing system is now in place. Hallelujah. Are we blessed? Are we blessed? I said um, two more points. I said strongholds results in sensitive issues in one's life that they will rather not confront or talk about. Is there any issue in your life that is difficult to talk about? As a sensitive matter, it's a stronghold. It's difficult to come to, to, uh, under scrutiny. It's a stronghold. It's a stronghold. Today, we have created the church. God help the church. You see, culture is powerful. Someone say culture is powerful. It's our admin that says culture is strategy for breakfast. He said, no matter your fantastic ideas, if it doesn't fit into the culture of the people, that idea is dead. Amen. If, you, if, you, if there's a land that they don't wear shoes and you are producing the best shoes, are you going to sell? Until you're able to change their culture and make them see 
Amen. So your strategy has to offshoot from what? From culture. And that's why all our art people, that's why they enter culture and go and say, they want to sell product to you. They are dressing culturally. What are they after? They want to catch you. They know that you have the installation of culture inside of you. Hallelujah. Amen. And, we, the, and there's so many things that are subsets of culture. We have them plenty. There's some, there's some things that are jealousy, but we have wrapped them as culture. There's, there's tribal issues, but we've wrapped them around culture. Amen. When we call somebody a boki, sometimes we are abusing the person. Even though Aboki means friend, but to us, by reason of culture, he said, look at that idiot, Aboki. We Yorubas, we do that a lot. Culture. Sensitive issues that you can't touch. I was saying that God needs to help the church because we have great doctrines around culture. You know why the issue of husband, love your wife, wife submit to your husband is such a contentious issue. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because most preachers preach it out of culture, not out of the truth of God's words. And your culture elevates the man and brings the woman down and makes him a subhuman. That's not the word of God. The Bible says in the day that God created them, male and female, your, your wife is not less than you. If you're a husband and you have that mindset, you need to remove it. Bible calls them co-heirs of the kingdom. It is only in the institution of marriage that you disdain your helper. In every other thing, you elevate and plead and you are apologetic towards your helper. In every other thing. But in marriage, because scripture calls the woman your helper, so you think he, she must be under your feet, she's your property. That's what culture can do. Meanwhile, when you get to your office, your boss... You are my destiny helper. You. Culture is so. Sometimes certain expressions of culture are so wicked. So wicked. So you have women. They, they can never do anything right. Have you met women like that? In homes like that? There is nothing they can do right. That husband has become a principality. He go has finished him. Stronghold. Stronghold. One day, my wife, my wife used to taunt me. You know, there was the day he taunted me. So I said, she wants to start leaning down and give me food. I said, oh my God. Why, why, why do you like getting at me like this? She knows I don't like those things. <laughs> Amen. But God helps on women. If she doesn't kneel down, her offering is not accepted that day. Culture wickedness that is embedded in culture. The husband will cheat. Culture will excuse him. Let the woman try it. Everybody in the village square we hear. Is that not where this nonsense mindset comes from? That men are naturally polygamous. Is that not where it comes from? Bible says, in the day that he created them, male and what? And female. Did he say male and female? Plenty females. And some idiots are even preaching that today as doctrine. Say, because Abraham had plenty of wives. So God has made. Why didn't God create Eve, Eliana, and all the others? And say, I mean, God wanted to populate there. Is that not the right thing? To, is that not the logical thing to do? Let him make 20 girls. 
shade, different shades and curves. Wrong my doctrine. These things blur the truth. They we are even twisting God's words now for their own preconceived ideas. Stronghold is powerful. Be careful. Hallelujah. Sensitive issues. Sensitive issues. They will rather deflect from correction than own up. That's the stronghold. They will always give excuses for their faults. That's the stronghold. If they say you have done this, they after all, it's not that serious. They cannot stand scrutiny. Always on the defensive. That's a stronghold. That's a stronghold. And a man or a woman who doesn't listen to, cor- listen to correction, you are hastening towards perishing. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? And f- somebody say, finally, say a stronghold is a combination of sinful nature and nurture in unrighteousness. Whenever stronghold wants to be built, the, is, it, is it called substrates? The foundation is a sinful nation. And then Satan adds the nurture in unrighteousness on top of it. And then he uses your gates. Some of us, our, it's our own bringing. Some of us, one, one great medium through which Satan is building strongholds in people today is media. Media, the things you get exposed to. Satan just flips the thing over you, over you, over and over again. Why do you think, why, why do you think all, most of our music videos, they are always on the explicit sexual side? Maybe you are thinking about Orombo. You are thinking about Orange. Why, why, why must it be about... Do you understand? You are thinking about something completely different. But there is a pattern that must be seen. It's there all the time. All the time. Strongholds. What is Satan doing? Barraging. Immersing. Baptizing. You don't know where those, when those things will turn. You know, next week, we can't go there today. Next week, we see how strongholds rear its head in imaginations, in lofty things, and in thought patterns. When the stronghold is being built, sometimes you don't know. The first time you notice it is when imaginations begin to pop up. Sometimes, have you ever caught yourself? Sometimes you wonder that, ah, these days, I used to think about something and you are asking yourself, when did I, when did my attention begin to focus on these things? I don't know if you catch yourself sometimes. Suddenly you just, what's going on? I don't used to imagine these things, but, but suddenly you've been exposed to it somewhere. And that exposure has now piled up. It's now bubbling up like water out of your fountain. Your fountain probably has been polluted. So if you are a smart person, you quickly look for where the breach happened. And what you do, do you cleanse your water. But some of, most times, we let it just go on until it becomes a complication. You know when you get a wound and you immediately treat it, it doesn't fester. Next week, we're going to talk about that. Hallelujah. God must help us to dislodge every stronghold in our hearts. 
He must. Because until those things are gone, that light of the glorious gospel will not shine through. And when the strongholds are in place, it is our theology and doctrine that will change to accommodate those things. Strongholds don't change for doctrine. Strongholds has only one option. It is for them to be completely demolished. That's why scripture says that the weapon of our warfare are not what? Cannot. They are mighty true God. To do what? You don't negotiate with strongholds. You do what? You demolish them. And if you don't demolish them, they will change everything else, including your doctrine. They will change everything else about you. They will craft you into their own frame. They will not stop until you have become the image of the fallen man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is how darkness gets perpetuated on the earth. Because the stronghold, the work of erecting strongholds in the life of people is left unchecked by a church who has not woken up to wisdom and to discernment. That's why church is to correct the deep-seated issues of the heart. It is not to, to massage your ego and serenade your, your, your appetites. I worry for a church that doesn't have the power to cut deep. I said the word of God is living and active. It is what? Sharper than two edged sword. It can pierce into the dividing asunder of the word, the soul and the spirit. And is a designer of the thoughts and what? Intents of the heart. That is what a true church is meant to be. A piercing arrow of God to separate that which is of the flesh from the spirit. To demolish the works of Satan and to liberate people to walk in their God-given destiny. It is not so that I can say you want to become a billionaire like Dangote. Shut up. Go to business school. God's holy mountain is to renovate and remove the image of the fallen man and install the new man. He said, I will write my laws in their heart and put their, my words in them. He said, and they, I will be their God and they will do what? They will be, they will be my image. That's what he means by my people. They will be my image. That's what church is for and this generation we attain that in the name of jesus let's stand to our feet and, and talk to god this morning say father search me search me search me oh god open my eyes to things i need to deal with open my eyes 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 some of us our stronghold is stubbornness ha Stubbornness. Some of us we don't hear. Some of us is anger. God needs to open our eyes and see so that we can remove these things. And God has given us the capacity to remove them. For this cause, the Son of Man is manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Come and go ahead and pray this morning and say, Father. Let me not propose 
Eminov Rasuya Pabra Kalabar Shovia Telebosata Enanamoshala Bricabara Dolabosa Ea Babala Katada Malori Telebrison Velepesia Papa Balaba Shatayaba Enono Prusuvia Tala Des Silva Leto Prusovia Babara Toshala